the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The miss. Jatavius Caldwell-Polk to Kuzma. Kuzma to the rim for a scoop and a score. Great move. Euro step. Aldridge and now Adetokounmpo. Yeah. He, he, he's destined to be an all-star, I guess, huh? Well, he's being compared <laughs> to great players. I think even though he's a Laker and even though he's had a very nice year, he's still a little bit under the radar. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the countdown to the Lakers' real season, planned Cap Space America 2018 this summer, is just two weeks away, and with how banged up our scrappy young team has looked recently, the end of the actual regular season may not be such a bad thing. But we would obviously love to see a strong finish and close one way or another so we can ride some sort of positive momentum into the draft and summer free agency, especially with the Lakers' last nine games being at home for seven of those. Uh, I'm Jonathan Hernandez, and after a brief hiatus, I am joined once again by one of our co-hosts, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how are you doing? What have you been up to? How's your March Madness bracket breaking? How are you feeling about the Lakers close to the season? Also, cats or dogs? I know that's a ton of questions I just threw your way, but you're going to have to answer all of them, so go. Okay, dogs... And I, I literally forgot every other question you asked except for that. <laughs> How are you doing? What have you been up to? That's right. Um, everything's good. I've just been, uh, you know, around. I've been traveling a little bit the last couple of weeks, so I haven't been able to join. But I have seen every game. Did not miss any games despite my travels. So, um, uh, yeah, everything's going fine. I'm trying to think of what else. How's your bracket breaking? Oh, my bracket is completely broken. Um, <laughs> as with most years, I spend maybe an hour or two hours at most, I think, looking into uh, just the different teams. I don't watch a ton of college basketball. The only team I watched this year was really was Oklahoma just because of all the Trey Young hype that mm. was happening earlier in the season. And um, so I probably saw that like five or six Oklahoma games this year, but 
uh, I have them losing in the first round, which they did. So that was good. Um, but every, I mean, like most people, I just got totally screwed in, in a couple places. Um, I had Michigan state winning it all and they were out very early. Ooh. Um, I had Michigan making it to the final, which I guess a lot of other people didn't have. So I guess that's still alive. Uh, I got two of the final four. Nice. Which ones? Um, Michigan and Michigan and Villanova. Um, I didn't have Kansas. So from that Kansas region, I had Michigan state coming out of it. And I, it was just like, anyway, I don't want to get into the details yeah. of more demandas, but yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating as you can tell. I actually have three out of four in the final four. I have Michigan, Kansas, oh, really and Villanova. Good. And obviously no one could have predicted, or maybe some people could have, but Loyola's in there randomly. Yeah. I actually had in that bracket, Arizona, making it all the way to the final four, just because I was yeah. like, DeAndre, is that what his name? Ayton. Yeah, I was like, oh, that guy's cool, and he's a high-level prospect. But, you know, those guys never actually make it that far. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I ended up busting out there because they got destroyed, like, in the first round. They but, got uh, destroyed. I had, actually, uh, Kentucky coming out of that region. Mm. And it was looking really good, right? Because after weekend one, like, Arizona was out, UVA was out, uh, Cincinnati was out. And I can't remember, oh, Tennessee was out. Like, the mm. top four seeds in that region were all out. And so I was like, oh, man, Kentucky's going to cruise to the Final Four. And then they just lost to, like, Kansas State randomly. It was It's just like March Madness. You, you can't predict it. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm happy Villanova's in there because uh, I'm a Philly guy, Pennsylvania guy. And I'm actually going to head out to the East Coast next week for a little Philly slash New York tour. Going to visit my relatives for a little bit. But also, I managed to fit in on April 6th, I believe. I think that's a Friday. I am going to the Philadelphia 76ers versus Cleveland Cavaliers game at the Wells Fargo Center. So I'm looking forward to that game. I get to see former Lakers Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson, but also future Laker LeBron James play. I also get to root against them and root for the Sixers while also wearing my Lakers gear. So that should be an interesting um, event, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Markel Fultz? What, what, what? Markel what? Fultz and his broken, or now it's looking kind of good jump shot. Who knows? He's he's back, and the, the freaking Sixers are in a playoff push, and they could actually jump the Cleveland Cavaliers, Oh, yeah, crazy. I was going to say, they're not in a playoff push. They are, like, well into the top <laughs> four seeds. I, I don't see anybody passing them for number four at this point. Yeah, they have a very easy schedule, actually. So, obviously, because of the Lakers, I'm going to be rooting against Cleveland, even though they have kind of hit their stride the last few games, and LeBron James has been supernova. But for the sake of our pick, go Sixers, go trust the process. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully it's a little less cold when I go to the East Coast. I know there's been a lot of snowstorms and whatnot, but looking forward to that. And yeah, um, yeah, but we are back. Lakers legacy. Uh, Tommy, quick question before we get started. And I guess it was part of my initial 500 questions. But uh, how are you feeling about the Lakers close to the season? Are you just taking everything in stride at this point? And even though it's a bit of a malaise, you're just kind of keeping into context that we have a bunch of injuries and, uh, you know, with seven of the last nine at home, are you looking for a strong close? Or are you pretty much indifferent in terms of you've seen enough from these guys and uh, whatever they do at the end is, you know, gravy if it's good and if it's bad, nah. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both for sure. I think... Um, I'm satisfied with how everything's gone, but I, and I also 
you know, despite the recent struggles, but I also think they're going to close pretty strong. Um, when you're a team that's not a playoff team, which I think even if healthy all season, we're probably not in the West at least. Um, and you're a team that's not super deep. A couple of injuries here and there can just really make things go uh, spiral, you know, into a downward spiral very quickly. Josh Hart was playing fantastic for us. He's out of the lineup. That pushes like more minutes or like any minutes to Tyler Ennis, which any minutes for Tyler Ennis is not a good thing for our uh, winning prospects. Um, Alex Caruso, we had to max out his NBA days, which probably we did a little bit earlier than intended um, because of the Josh Hart injury. So, you know, that hurt. Obviously, Brandon Ingram was, even with Isaiah Thomas uh, arriving, I felt like Brandon Ingram was our, our best player and more consistent player. Like, you can make the argument that Kuzma sometimes could just explode for more points. But overall, when you're factoring in both ends, like what Brandon Ingram brings on defense, uh, what he brings with rebounding, what he brings as an extra creator on the floor, and also he was scoring, like, 16 plus points a game. So, and even more in the stretch before he got hurt. So those are two huge, huge losses. It's given us a good chance to get a look at some other guys, but that's to me, that's the, almost the entire explanation for why we've, we've been um, struggling so much. Yeah. Agree. Um, Yeah. Before we get started though, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers legacy pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many f- more floaters Lonzo Ball will take and hit from now till the end of the season so he can get off, get off instead of be soft, be soft, oh, a, oh, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that floater game, he's been busting it out a little more the last two games and it's actually been working. So that's a nice and pleasant surprise to see. Uh, if he can take some of that momentum into the summer and continue to craft that part of his game, that would be amazing. So please rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating and reviews, before I let Tommy read the review as Travis Ware, I have another review to read. And uh, I'm not going to call this guy out per se, but I just wanted to clear up some things. Um, and a lot of it I actually agree with, but there are some things that I want to clear up. So this review is entitled, Not Bad, But Not Great. Three out of five stars. I think you'd agree with that, right, Tommy? Not bad, not great? That's the story of my life. That's the story of my life as well. Um, okay, so let's keep going. Not going to say the name of this reviewer. Good for a listen for general Laker talk with not a lot of in-depth analysis. Mm. Okay, I, I take some offense to the not a lot of in-depth analysis, but that's fair. We do fool around a lot. Mostly opinion with bringing in guests who are typically only fans as well. Hmm. Tommy, would you consider Coach Steve Bake, former coach of Lonzo Ball, Laker Film Room, Pete Zayas? Who else did we have? (laughs) (laughs) Man, I had this like speech prepared. Ed Isaacson. Ed Isaacson, former draft scout. Drew Hanlon, off-season skills coach of Jordan Clarkson, Joel Embiid, Zach Levine, and Bradley Beal. Eric Pincus. Eric Pincus. Would you consider those guys only fans? No, I think each of those guys definitely has an interesting perspective. I mean, you could say they're fans. I think I would actually say that the time we've had people, or excuse me, the times we've had people who were what you would classify as just fans and there's nothing else to them, very, very minimal in the uh, overall scope of our podcast. 
Yeah, so I just want to clear that up. And if this guy hasn't listened to our podcast enough, yes, we did have all of those guys on at different times the last two or three seasons. So definitely go check our episodes out featuring Coach Steve Bake, uh, off-season skills coach Drew Hanlon, different NBA scouts who they they you know they analyze the NBA draft for a living, as well as Eric Pincus, and obviously everybody knows Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room. In fact, he was the first po- we were the first podcast that he ever guested on. So there you go, not just fans. And our podcast was so bad he decided to make his own. <laughs> Hey, we're a jumping off point. I like to think of it as that. We're the launch pad for other other great people. Um, and then let, let me let me finish out this review. Review stars are false as they solicit five-star reviews to answer questions. Reminds me of Amazon sellers who send you additional free items if you rate the item you bought as five stars. I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about. Yeah. I don't know if he's talking about the times where we, you know, incentivize people with the stupid incentives we give out. Like, if you rate and review us... Five stars, this is how many more times Jordan Clarkson will get an ear piercing on his left nipple. Exactly. (laughs) Well, yeah, when I saw that too, by the way, not that I take offense to any of this, I understand the, like, there's a little bit of irony here in that, you know, we're reading a review about somebody criticizing us and (laughs) all we do on this podcast is criticize people who do what we're not doing. Um, So, so I get that. Um, but when I saw that part of it, I was like, no, nah, it's it's a little bit different because we're not sending anybody anything free. <laughs> nobody's, no. As far as I know, nobody's gaining anything of monetary value um, to listen or to rate and review. People do it because they're nice. I think like most, um, most podcasts, you're going to get – most anything when it comes to reviews, you're going to get the, the extremes. People who really like us, we appreciate it. They give us five stars. People who don't like us – going to give us are going to give us one star or not review at all so um yeah i don't really know what to say to that and yeah out of 237 ratings and reviews i'm glad to say and thanks to all of our fans and listeners over the last two years that we have an average rating of five stars which is pretty incredible so thank you guys for that and and you know i did incentivize people to rate and review us with a question of theirs that may be read in a future episode but literally only two people participated <laughs> so uh in terms of you know two out of our 237 five star ratings and reviews are really a incentivized like give us put your question in the review and maybe we'll read it and it didn't even end up working so there you go but we do appreciate all the five stars four stars three stars even um and any anybody who leaves feedback is great but with that said, I just wanted to dispel some of the inaccuracies in that review. But we do agree. Not bad, but not great. With that said, let's read a great review from Travis Ware and Tommy Alexander, impressionist extraordinaire, will channel the great white shark. I just came up with that. Go ahead. <laughs> That's pretty good. <clears throat> this review is entitled Best Easy Listening Lakers Podcast. By Well Done, 22. These guys run a great all-around show, discussing relevant news, game recaps, and special guest appearances, all while keeping a laid-back approach. These guys make you feel like you were at a BBQ, discussing the team with your buds. If you're looking to unwind after a long day while staying informed about the Lakers, this is the podcast for you. All right. Thank you. Well done, 22. And Tommy, as usual, I have to ask you, what went into your perfect channeling of Travis Ware? 
Try to imagine a guy could shoot three-pointers very well and who just got signed for the rest of the season by the Lakers. Ayo! Bam, 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 bam. Congrats to Chad. I don't know, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I, I don't know either. But I was I trying to contribute it. something, and that, that's all I could come up with. Yeah, it was very DJ-esque. But uh, yeah, Travis Ware signed for the rest of the season by the Lakers. Congrats to him. Uh, I don't know if it's well-deserved, but he has played solidly enough, and he know, he seems to be comfortable with the team. Yikes. I mean, he played um, he played in training camp, so he's very familiar with the organization and the people. I'm sure that played a part in it. Um, but yeah, I guess that'll segue us right into our Lakers news segment before we get into our other topics, mainly Kyle Kuzma's. Uh, strong finish to the season and Lonzo Ball's continued progression. Uh, but yeah, first Lakers news, Tommy Travis Ware signed for the rest of the season. I don't know if you think he deserves it or not. He has been inconsistent, but I mean, he did have that uh, 11.3 for 7 game uh, against Memphis, helped us, uh, you know, come back in that game. Uh, outside of that, you know, I, he's actually shooting 40% from three, which is better than his actual yeah, no. field goal percentage. So, yeah. and he's 6'10". I would say he's like a Steve Novak-ish type player. I'm giving him, I'm cutting him some slack for pretty much being a rookie at this point, right? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Travis Ware? Is it just kind of a stop gap? And because we're so familiar with him, we're just going to ride him out. I think that's for sure what it is, um, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think he just he earned his contract. I thought he played really well, actually. Like like you said, he um, shooting over forty percent from three. His field goal percentage being lower than that actually doesn't surprise me. For the main reason is that um, his best shot is a spot up catch and shoot three. If he's not taking a spot of catch and shoot three, that means he's taking something off the dribble or he's, you know, doing something that is outside of what is his best thing he can do. And that would cause his percentage to go down. This is not a guy who's going to be a great finisher at the rim because he has no explosion off the ground, really. And I know that's like a stereotype because he's white, but he actually, he literally cannot jump if you look at him. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, even when he shoots a jump shot, he doesn't elevate that much. Um, yeah. So he he can't really shoot around the rim, um, shooting off the dribble. His shot is so flat, it doesn't leave a lot of margin for error. So I feel like when he shoots off the dribble, it throws things off a little bit. Um, But I think despite all that, like we need a guy who can catch and shoot threes, which he does. Um, His defense has been shockingly good. It's not amazing. He's not. I'm not saying this guy's all NBA, but I thought he was going to be completely just not there on defense and he contributes. He gets his, his hands are active. He contests, he tries to contest shots at the rim. He does get beat off the dribble horribly on switches, but you know, he's not Julius Randall. He's, he is who he is. So I think it's well-deserved. I don't think he's going to be on this team next season, but I think he earned a spot for this year. Yeah. Agree. All right. On to the next topic. Uh, Leangelo ball is entering the NBA draft. Tommy, your thoughts. Just kidding. We can pass. Um, <laughs> uh, so Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart have been practicing a little bit. I think Brandon Ingram last week was close to re- a, a return, but then he experienced some soreness the next day. And so that's been kind of pushed back. But hopefully he can get back at the very least by the end of the week. Josh Hart participated on three-on-three practice. He could be back as soon as Friday. I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. But I guess in your opinion 
what have the Lakers lacked outside of the obvious in terms of having a much slimmer rotation that Luke can play with and almost, you know, still randomly having to insert Tyler Ennis at points. But, but now, especially with Isaiah Thomas experiencing hip soreness and we're not, we're unsure of whether or not he's, he can return and finish out the season. But for you, what, what do you think the Lakers have missed the most out with Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart uh, being out of the rotation, even though Kyle Kuzma has done an admirable job kind of spacing the floor better uh, uh-huh. for the starting unit. But yeah, what, what have, what have the Lakers missed the most? And, uh, yeah. Uh, the mo, the thing they've missed the most is defense. Um, both of those guys are, you know, two of our best defenders. Um, so that's a huge loss because when you're playing Kyle Kuzma at the three, to give Kyle Kuzma credit, I saw some analytics a, a few days ago. I wish I had them right now, but I don't. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I saw some analytics the other day that suggested his defense post-All-Star break has gotten significantly better. Mm. Um Again, not all NBA, but he was horrendous, apparently, according to the... I always thought he wasn't great, but according to the analytics, he was very bad before All-Star break. Has gotten noticeably better, so that's great. He's still not Brandon Ingram. Um, Josh Hart, same thing. We can't go to lineups when we start the second quarter that have... You know, I think Luke has been doing a pretty good job of staggering Isaiah Thomas and Lonzo. Um, when Lonzo is back there with KCP versus Isaiah Thomas with KCP, or even worse, Isaiah Thomas with Tyler Ennis, it's just <laughs> such a huge drop-off. Josh Hart mitigated so much of that. He got KCP more rest. Um, he made Tyler Ennis a complete non-factor, and... He just takes so much pressure off. And in addition to all of that, he can hit threes, which, you know, again, you're, when you're playing Ennis, Ennis can't really shoot. Um, so, yeah, those are – I think defense is, is definitely the biggest thing we've missed. Yeah, I agree. I think defense but also a stability on offense that some exactly. of the other guys – True, yeah. They're a little more sporadic. Even KCP, who's turned it on, you know, since jail, Jailhouse Rock during the winter – but yeah, both of those guys, very solid. They play within themselves, but also know how to facilitate the offense and kind of get the ball moving in the right places. So it will be such a welcome sight to have them back to close the season, and hopefully they can regain some of that chemistry that they had built up um, coming out of the All-Star break. And especially for Josh Hart, he had really kind of found his stride, and at a certain point he was averaging like double-doubles and whatnot over like a five-game stretch. I mean, he was becoming, along with Lonzo Ball, one of the best rebounding guards in the game. He was showing off such a what's it called an advanced level of finishing at the rim because of his body control and how solidly built he, he, he is. Um, so hopefully he can kind of regain some of that confidence heading into the summer. And I'm assuming he's probably going to play summer league again. So, you know, that can only help. So hopefully both of them are back at least by the end of this week. Um, with that said, do you think the Lakers are even going to play around with using up one of their last roster spots. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't looked recently whether we even have a, an open roster spot. I think we do. But do you think they'll even consider that? Maybe if Isaiah Thomas is out or KCP recently sprained his ankle? Or do you think they'll just ride it out at this point? Because I know like James Young got cut by the... I don't even know what team he was on. The the Sixers? I thought it was the Sixers. Yeah, so he got cut by the Sixers. He's a wing, obviously. 6'6", former... Not a lotto pick, but just outside of the lotto, 17th pick by the Celtics. Uh, just another wing guy. Um, he's not anything to write home about, but do you think the Lakers will do anything like that, or do you think they'll just ride this out? I think it's definitely possible. I don't think they would sign somebody outside the organization. 
Um, if Isaiah Thomas, it becomes confirmed that he is going to sit out the rest of the year. I do think they'll sign another guard. I know they have Gary Payton too, who I don't know why they, every time I see that guy, I just, it boggles my, I'm like, what, what is happening here? Why is this guy getting a two day or a two way contract? I just, I feel like there were way better options. Um, anyway, I, I guess you can cut him at any time, but anyway, um, I think they would probably look at another guard uh, just in case. You never know you're, if you're going to have a blowout game on either end. I think the focus is going to be on the guys we have now. And I think if IT is out of the rest of the season, I think we probably sign somebody from our G League affiliate um, who's a guard. Yeah, I, I outside of Gary Payton 2 or Dose, I don't understand. He's not even getting any playing time. If he can't even... Yeah play i mean well the title tyler ennis thing i don't know if there's something political going on there he does have a non-guaranteed contract which might be useful in a trade for next year but you also don't have to play tyler ennis so it's a little weird um but yeah we'll see what what happens uh it's probably going to be status quo at the end of the day um i guess the last bit of news and i hinted at it earlier isaiah thomas is experiencing some hip soreness um i think the hype for it has gone down um, ever since that Denver game, he did he did play decently against Golden State, twenty point seven assists, but he had that terrible Miami game, and then just has been turning the ball over like crazy. Shot selection's been bad. Um, he just he kind of looks hurt at times. Even though during the Pelicans game, he did show off some pretty nifty finishing moves against Anthony Davis, um, yeah. showing his body control and whatnot. But um, yeah, so if Isaiah Thomas is done for the season. I guess what's your overall thoughts on Isaiah Thomas as a Laker, what he's shown in like the 15 or so games that he's played, and has he shown enough for you to, I guess, even want him back if he does want to come back? And, you know, there was a recent article that came out that pretty much uh, conflicted the initial reports that said, hey, I'm a starter, that's who I am, that's who I'm going to be. But recently, Isaiah Thomas was like, you know, I love the Lakers, I love this organization, and... I would be satisfied with coming back even in the current role that I'm in right now, which is coming off the bench and being that sort of spark plug. Um, I think Isaiah Thomas, as brash and blunt and prideful as he is, I think reality may be starting to seep in with him, especially as he sees his body not get right as as much as he had hoped. And, you know, it looked like he was kind of turning the corner, but maybe with this new hip soreness thing, he's just like man, maybe I really do need to give it a full off season. And I heard actually he, he probably shouldn't have come back as soon as he did for the Cavs, but he did so for, you know, to help the Cavs contend because they were struggling as a team and also because he's playing for his next contract. So that kind of had to kind of expedited things for him, um, at least in his mind. And I don't think necessarily that may have been the smartest move. But given the fact that we haven't seen uh, fully healthy Isaiah Thomas, and we know that his cap hold is only around $9.3 million this summer. And we do know that Luke has said, in spite of what people may see from the, the chippiness and chirpiness of Isaiah Thomas, that he has had a good influence on the locker room. Yeah, what has your overall perception been of the Isaiah Thomas Laker experiment? And if this is the last game you've seen of him, would you cons- would you be open to bringing him back? Definitely would be open to bringing him back. I think, you know, superficially, a lot of people would probably say, especially if you're just looking at the numbers, not watching the games. Oh, Isaiah, you know, he played poorly with the Cavs. He had a couple good games with the Lakers, but overall played poorly. I disagree. I think Isaiah 
the biggest thing he proved to me, I knew this guy could score. He averaged almost 30 a game last year and was a top five MVP candidate. Um, the biggest thing that he proved to me was that he can play within the offense. I, he clearly learned a lot from his time with Brad Stevens and it's encouraging to know that if we were to bring him back, he could fit. And I don't think he would clash with really anybody else we got, even if we got two stars. Um, we've, we're creating a culture here that I think is going to make everybody, including, you know, from the top down, is going to make everybody want to participate in the team ball movement. Um, so I would be open to it. I don't know how much I would pay. And frankly, I don't really think it would cost that much though. You know, if, yeah. if he's going to miss more than half the season, which it sounds like he's going to, this and he's thirty. You know he's going to be thirty next year. Hip the hip injury is so weird, right? Because he could just have problems with it. Like it's it's not like okay, go, just go into the go rehab your hip and then we'll take an X ray and everything will be fine. You know, it's almost in a way it's it's going to sound weird, but in a way it's like breaking a bone is almost better because you see there's the break and then the bone heals and you do work on other right. stuff in the meantime and then you're fine. It, with the hip, this could just be a nagging injury for the rest of his career. It wouldn't be the first time that we uh, have seen that. So regardless of what happens, I think this whole situation is driving his market way, way, way down. So if we are able, um, you know, in a timely fashion to, let's say we sign two max players, we're able to get rid of Dang so that we can keep Randall and we can do all of that without having to get rid of Isaiah Thomas's cap hold, I would be fine keeping him on a one-year deal at, you know, whatever money the organization thinks is appropriate. If we have to dump his cap hold, I'd still be open, you know, for whatever reason, like, let's say we aren't able to trade Dang for nothing, for example. Um, so if we have to dump his cap hold, I'm still open to keeping him if he comes back on a cheap contract for, you know, a year or whatever. Um, yeah. But I'm not super opposed. I know there's so many, there's a lot of people out there who are super, super opposed to it. I just don't think that the personalities we have on our roster and the personalities we're looking for are ones that would clash with Isaiah's. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I also think if our plan is to eventually bring in a superstar or two superstars, I'm not even talking about the on-court play because Isaiah Thomas is a more ball dominant point guard and, and his usage is a little bit higher. So that would kind of mimic a superstar, but I'm just talking about priming our young guys right now to get used to a personality like that. Do, do people actually think that when LeBron James comes, he's going to be meek and not silent? If anything, Isaiah Thomas is priming so shy, our guys. Bro. Huh? He's so shy, bro. <laughs> um, maybe Paul George is a little more shy, but even Paul George <laughs> coming into this you know, locker room, they're going to demand greatness from this team, especially if they're asserting that leadership position to usher us into you know, the next generation. And Isaiah Thomas, you know, some people have been annoyed at his chirpiness, how much he talks, but... And whether it's warranted or not, because he's been injured and hasn't been playing well, I mean, he carries himself like a former MVP candidate because he earned that right. And I think it's allowing our guys to see the the seriousness and the gravity of the situation. Um, they've had good success just learning how to win. But I think things are starting to shift in their head now where in, ter in terms of that winning mentality, right? Because so many teams in the past have kind of just 
gone through a season and I wouldn't say they were lucky to get wins, but we saw that Phoenix Suns team a couple years back, you know, that almost made the playoffs and people were like, oh man, they're up and coming. And, you know, we don't want to be one of those teams that has a really good season and plays off of our adrenaline uh, and talent, but doesn't bring it all together in terms of establishing that winning mentality and learning how it how it is to be excellent and value your time on the court and i feel like isaiah thomas is kind of bringing that out in everybody and requiring excellence from every from everybody and i know it may sound like a double standard because people are like dude you suck right now but he is a guy who has earned his stature in the nba and um as luke has said he likes that Isaiah Thomas is having these very uh, engaging and heated discussions with Julius Randle, with Kyle Kuzma, because even though these are contested and heated discussions, you see how much he has these guys' backs as well. I mean, he's been on Instagram commenting, uh, uh, you know, giving Lonzo Ball praise and telling him to, like, you know, silence the haters. Same with Kyle Kuzma on on Kyle Kuzma's Instagram. So Isaiah Thomas, I think overall, we don't really see the... um, the inside locker room stuff and, and the amount of leadership that he brings. All we see is kind of the, uh, what's it called? The TMZ type stuff where he's just yelling on the bench. He's getting teased. He just seems like a very irritated kind of small Napoleon complex type dude. Right. But I have to take Luke at his word. And, and even the guys who have spoken out about this, including Julius Randall, that he has been a very good veteran presence on this team and a, and a good leader. So I would not be opposed to having a guy like that back. And if we're even looking at the on-court basketball play, assuming Isaiah Thomas even regains 15% more of what he used to be with a full off-season off, or a full season being able to work on his body and get healthy, if we look at the current construction of our roster, um, you know, there's that KCP-Isaiah Thomas debate going on, um, and I understand it if we're taking out the cap holds and whatnot, but... To me, I don't think we have another player like Isaiah Thomas who can really change the pace of our offense in terms of having a guy who can create for himself and because he's so small and sneaky, can really keep defenses on their heels because of the way he's able to drive into the lane and either finish for himself or make weird plays for other people. Um, We don't have another guy like that. And if we're looking at KCP, we do have a guy in Josh Hart who, who can at the very least approximate what KCP brings, and I think in the future even be better than KCP, you know? Um, Right now, at least as the Lakers, as far as the Lakers are constructed, barring any other guard, superstar guard signing we make in the offseason, we don't have an Isaiah Thomas primary creator type guy. Um, Lonzo Ball is still working the kinks out of even his mid-range game, and so Isaiah Thomas, you know, we've we've seen those numbers of him and Lonzo Ball on the court together, of him and Randall on the court together, and offensively, it's been amazing, you know, to have another option who can diversify our offense in a way that I don't think we've seen prior to him coming to this team. So even looking at it on court and being able to project out what a healthy looking Isaiah Thomas could be, I think that's why I'm more open to bringing him back. And I'm not at all treating him like a, you know, Jordan Clarkson or even a Lou Williams. But at this point, I'd be happy with Isaiah Thomas being a Lou Williams type player. Wouldn't you agree? I would be, yeah. No, I'd be, I'd be totally fine with it. I do want to say I agree. I disagreed with one thing you, uh, mm. you just said, uh, where you said that one day, uh, 
Josh Hart, or you think that Josh Hart could one day be better than Contavious Caldwell Pope? Ooh, and, you don't agree? Well, I disagree because Contavious has always gotten beat in the name department. His name is Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Josh Hart's <laughs> name is Josh. So that's one one area Josh Hart will never be better than Contavious Caldwell Pope in. <laughs> what? <laughs> but Hart is a good name. You can always say clear eyes, full Josh Hart's can't lose. Oh. Full Josh Hurts. I do. I like that. I like that. Yeah, see? I know you I know you like that you down with KCP. Yeah, you know me. You down with KCP. I mean, it's snappy. I get it. All right. Um, with that said, uh, before we get into our final two segments of this podcast, this episode, mainly Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, we will pitch it over to our sponsors now for a word, and we will catch you guys after the turn. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. All right, so we are back. And, you know, at this point in the season with the Lakers losing, having some tough losses, last night they lost to Detroit, which sucked because I felt like that was a game they could have had. Um, Julius Randle was beasting Blake Griffin a little bit, giving him a taste of his own medicine, which was fun to see. And that was with Julius Randle having foul trouble and him still getting 20 and 11, which is pretty much a staple Julius Randle line, which is incredible. But yeah, with the Lakers struggling, they they had to come back and beat Memphis, who I think they lost by 60 points to the Hornets. I don't know. Memphis has been really, really bad. So yeah. uh, the fact that we were getting blown out by them at one point, it just kind of shows scary. you. Yeah, it shows the state of our team. But again, contextualizing everything, we are banged up. We are injured. Uh, we're having to do this on the fly. But given the state of our team and everybody going down, we have to kind of look at all the little small wins here and there that we can get. And and this is not a small win, actually. This is a big one. But Kyle Kuzma turning his season around after a pretty sizable rookie slump from the end of December all the way through January and February. I mean, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, even Jason Tatum have kind of trumped him recently. And it's been kind of sucky to hear people just all of a sudden say Kyle Kuzma's name and almost treat him like a Jordan Clarkson type player and cementing him as just like a, oh yeah, he's a scoring dude off the bench who can uh, help a team team out in the future and kind of cap him at that. So it's been nice to see Kyle Kuzma bring back that fire that he had to start the season where he was just guns blazing, you know, and showing off the full repertoire. Um, but yeah, in the month of March, Kyle Kuzma has averaged around 18 points, 8.6 rebounds, two assists, uh, almost a steal a game, half a block a game. He is shooting 47% from the field, which is amazing. Um, 42% from three, hitting 2.6 threes a game, and 77.8% from the free throw line. This is the closest thing he's done, or this is the closest he's gotten to his first season, I mean, his first month of the season in November, where he averaged 18 points, 6.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists on 49% shooting from the field, and 39% from three. So, it's been a really good month for Kyle Kuzma, and he has been, yeah, the bounce-back kid, and it's been consistent. He is fully back, 
And, you know, he was a big reason why the Lakers won that Memphis Grizzlies game. He's really taken the onus for himself to take the reins of the offense and actually be more of a primary creator and initiator, um, especially in that Memphis game. That was the most I've seen Kyle Kuzma um, off the dribble, off his own accord, making plays for himself. Because, you know, Kyle Kuzma, we think of him more as this elite shooter and elite cutter who can finish really well and he runs the floor really well but it's mostly off of other people's passes once in a while he'll drive it in and do a hook shot or a spin move but I felt like in the Grizzlies game he was like out at the three-point line and showing off some actual dribble moves into crossovers and then he'd spin move and do his nifty soft finishes a la Anton Jameson so I just really like that recently he's kind of taken it upon himself to be more aggressive because I think his MO the entire season is he's an easy, uh, seamless fit kind of guy where he'll just get his points wherever he can. And because he's so talented at scoring, he'll always end up with like 15 or 18 points anyways. I just like that recently he's kind of taken the onus on himself to kind of be a little more uh, Kuzmamba-ish and uh, take stuff off the dribble. And I'm not just talking about three-pointers, but actually take guys off the dribble into the lane, um, uh, get shots for himself and whatnot. So yeah, Tommy, what have you thought about Cal Kuzma's bounce back the last month or so? And actually, he's the first rookie since Lakers rookie since Magic Johnson to have two straight double-doubles against Memphis, 25 and 10. Last night against Detroit, 20 and 11. And he has four straight 20-point games since the Indiana game, 27, 22, 25, 20. Um, he's really bounced back in a big way. And I think for me, the most encouraging part is he's bounced back efficiency-wise because he was blistering hot, blistering hot at the start of the season. And then he really fell off and was, you know, shooting around like 42% from the field and then like 35% from three. And all of a sudden we were like, oh, well, maybe he's just like everybody else and he's just going to have to work out the kinks. But I think this recent stretch of him just being efficient once again, I think we can probably peg him now as a pretty solid like 45% shooter from the field and a 38% shooter from three when all is said and done, which for a rookie um, is just really, really solid numbers all throughout. So, yeah, what have you seen from Kyle Kuzma recently and, and what are your thoughts on his on his bounce back? Frankly, I'm a little bit shocked. I know that might seem extreme because he played so well for such a big part of the early season and obviously all throughout the summer league and preseason and all that. Um, I'm shocked he had this bounce back. When he hit the wall, I thought that was it. I was like, okay, whatever. Like He's going to be bad the rest of the season, but hopefully we can salvage this with like a 42% shooting season mm. and 33% from three. That's still way better than most rookies given the volume uh, of shots that he takes. Um he has exceeded my wildest expectations. I feel like beyond just getting his, like you said, his field goal percentage, 45%. He's a jump shooting big man. That's amazing for a rookie. 37% from three. He takes five and a half a game. That's pretty amazing for a rookie. Um, another big thing that he's like quietly improved on has been uh, his free throw shooting. His free throw shooting has gotten mm-hmm. way better in the, in the past few weeks. Um, He's now shooting about 72% on his free throws, which he just, you know, he, he to start the season, he was not shooting that well from the free throw line. Um, so all these things have been really great improvements. I don't know what they did. It seemed like there was a stretch where he was struggling and they just let him play through it. They didn't overburden him. He wasn't playing 40 a game during that stretch. And 
now he's been red hot and they've been giving him more minutes. So I don't know credit the coaching staff or whatever, but clearly he burnt out and he's got it back now. And it's very encouraging for the future. Um, this guy's going to be a problem for a long time in the NBA. He's so good. And he's, you know, for his size, he has such an insane variety of offensive skills you know, who is the last rookie on it? You know, we're not a 17-win team anymore. Who is the last rookie on a fairly competitive team to have a season where he was just scoring like this at this efficiency? You know, if we were a worse team, Kuzma would probably be averaging 20-plus points a game. Yeah. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell getting a lot of the rookie of the year hype, and, you know, he deserves it. I'm not going to say anything about that, but Kyle Kuzma shooting better than him. You know, yeah, Mitchell scoring more, but Kyle Kuzma is more efficient. And maybe if they needed, you know, as we've seen in the last four games, especially, but really ever since Ingram went out, Kyle Kuzma's, uh, which I guess has been the last four games, really, but or no, it's been more than that. Sorry, I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, during that stretch, Kyle Kuzma has um, has really upped his scoring, and I have no reason to think he would not have been a 20 point per game scorer for the season if we didn't have other options. Yeah, I mean, in February and January, he was coming off the bench, and because of how well Josh Hart was playing, and Brandon Ingram as well, you know, his minutes were cut to 24, 24 minutes, 25 minutes, and so Brandon Ingram has absence has really allowed Kuzma to, you know, step into that role, but also he took, I mean, credit him for really taking things by the reins and capitalizing on that opportunity, and like I said, 18 points, 47% shooting, 42% from three, I mean, Kyle Kuzma, he's like one of the smoothest players I've ever seen play, you know? I, I think that Anton Jamison comparison is pretty apt, but Kyle Kuzma's already a better shooter than Anton Jamison ever was, and also is more athletic than Anton Jamison. And he even has some tricks up his sleeve that Jamison never had as well in terms of that hook shot, which, you know, we were joking about it a little at the start of the season and saying, oh, that's cool, you know, he can do that. But he literally can do that. I, I think he must be shooting 80% on that shot, you know? It's like a legitimate weapon, and he can hit it like a clean, swished hook shot or bank it off. It, it, this guy just really knows all the angles around the basket, and it, it's exciting to think about how much better this guy can be because as we're seeing recently, he's only starting to explore his off-the-dribble game, get a little more shake to him. He's most lethal in transition, obviously, when he's able to do his little crafty Euro step James Harden type stuff and then, you know, uh, finesse, finish it uh, to the rim with these, you know, up and under reverse lay ins and sometimes ferocious jams as well. But yeah, Kyle Kuzma, I'm glad he's having this close to the season. Um, I think the other thing that I want to point out about Kyle Kuzma that I've really appreciated is this guy's just a gamer, you know? I haven't seen a rookie. Um, this confident in himself um, since, I don't know, can you think of a rookie that was this confident, but also actually he paid off? I mean, they, I mean, he actually showed some uh, well, results. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was hesitating to get at earlier because the only other rookies I can think of who were like this as rookies all became superstars. Like we, we really can't overlook how good of a, <laughs> how good of a rookie season Kyle Kuzma has had. Um, we're talking, I mean, I'm talking about look at the last couple years even with the, the guys who had impressive rookie seasons, Kyle Kuzma is right up there, in my opinion, with the rookie seasons that the top picks for the last several years have had. And even looking back for a guy this size to with this variety of perimeter skills, 
I'm not saying Kyle Kuzma is going to be Kevin Durant, okay? Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, Kevin Durant is the last 6'10 guy who played off the dribble and was hitting threes like that. And Kevin Durant wasn't even making threes when he was a rookie, so it's it's definitely bizarre. Yeah, but I but yeah, I really appreciate, you know, when we say Kuzmamba, I really mean it because he has that fierce competitive mentality and he's not afraid to miss shots. He takes them and he hits them. If he misses, he's going to take the next shot with just as much confidence and he just flushes it down the toilet mentally and he's hit some very big you know, shots for us to actually get us legitimate wins this season. And like I said, he was integral in that comeback against the Grizzlies. Uh, he, even, even that sucky Miami Heat game, which I, I was at, um, he was the only guy who could score for the Lakers at the end of that game. And he almost hit the, you know, go, he hit the go ahead three pointer, um, that could have won us the game. But yeah, Kyle Kuzma, when it's the fourth quarter, he just locks in even more. And to have that quality as a rookie, I think is, is very important. And, um, who knows how much he would be scoring? Who knows how much more dominant he would be if he was thrust into a more integral role? Um, because like I said, he's been kind of tossed about being a bench guy, being that Jordan Clarkson type guy, and then now assuming that starter-like position. And throughout, he's been, for the most part outside of that rookie wall stretch, has been very consistent in what he provides the Lakers, which is just a lot of versatility. And he kind of fits in where he needs to fit in. And uh yeah, I mean, he's only averaging 30 minutes as opposed to Donovan Mitchell's 33. He's shooting better than Donovan Mitchell um, from both the field and from three-point land. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's only shooting 34%. And who knows what he could do um, if he had more of the role that Donovan Mitchell has. And I'm not knocking Donovan Mitchell at all because the Utah Jazz are winning under his leadership, which is crazy to think about. But uh, but yeah, props to Kyle Kuzma and the bounce back. Uh, to close our show, let's talk about Lonzo Ball, of course. Z-O, get off, get off. A-O, A-O. Get off, get A-O. off. <laughs> um, so, Tommy, before the last two games, Lonzo Ball probably had one of his worst games of his young career uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, two for 15 from the field, yeah. one of 12 from three. He did have 13 rebounds, game. nine assists, but... We all expect Lonzo Ball to do those other things, but I think that was the first game where it's like even guys like Pete Zayas were visibly frustrated at the fact that Lonzo Ball just kind of settled. And, you know, in spite of the fact that four of his last three-point shots were open, I wasn't even worried about those shots. I was worried about more the entire arc of his game and how, yeah, he really just settled for threes. I was more worried about the five shots that happened before those four wide-open threes um, and how he just decided to not try and bend the defense any other way. Um, he just wanted to chuck up that three-point shot, not even drive to kick out to people. I mean, he was taking some ill-advised three-pointers as well. And, you know, leading up to that game, he was like six for 36 from three. And um, at that point, I get the I get the theory, keep shooting, man. Um, but also, I don't know, be a little smart. You're so smart in all these other areas. That was a very be disappointing a smart, game man. to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you're shooting six for 36, that's not a good shot anymore. You nope. know, I, I understand you're open. You keep shooting. You know, guys were like, I'd rather Lonzo Ball keep shooting so he doesn't lose his confidence. And my problem more was that Lonzo Ball's going to keep shooting that three. You know why? Because he can't do anything else. So yep. regardless of whether he loses confidence or not, that's the only shot he knows how to take. So he's going to keep shooting it. I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about him being mentally engaged on the offensive end and not falling prey to 
I'm gonna just chuck up this three because I have nothing else to do. And um, and obviously we know that he he's still passing the ball, still leading the break, and still rebounding and playing defense, which is great. But I've been very pleasantly surprised by the last two games where he's really taken that to heart, and we've seen the mid-range game materialize out of nowhere. Him dribbling to the right, pulling up, and almost looking like he's hitting a normal jump shot, draining step back mid-range. Uh, mid-range jump shots from the free throw line hitting these floaters all of a sudden and taking them more importantly um so when he does that he's just more engaged um the defense is a little more uh on their heels for the other team uh we're just a more dynamic team when Lonzo Ball diversifies his game up a little more and with that the last two games you know 12 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, almost a triple-double against Memphis. And then last night, 15 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, almost a triple-double. Uh, and he was 7 of 8 from the field. So, yeah, what what is what have your thoughts been on Lonzo Ball really struggling the last month or so and kind of mimicking how terrible he was, historically terrible he was, um, to start the season? And then even just in the last two games, seeing once again, okay, here's Lonzo Ball taking all of this into account and starting to slowly progress out of that. And does it give you hope for the the close of this season, I guess, and into the summer? Because he has some clear things to work on, but the sooner he can start implementing those things now, the easier it'll be uh, this summer to work on. Yeah, it definitely gives me a lot of hope. But I guess hope maybe actually is a wrong word because I never... I, I still don't doubt him. I know that the shooting numbers are a little disconcerting to a lot of people. I will say during that two for 15 game, I was pretty shocked. Um, you know what I mean? Like that was probably the worst shooting game I've seen in terms of Kobe. Like, let's not say Kobe never had a two for 15 game. Right. But they weren't these types of shots. Um, they were like deflating. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you, you, you could tell his heart wasn't in the game. People are telling me he's losing confidence. I was like, He's taking shots that he, you can tell in his eyes he's not going to make. He knows he, he's not going to he make it. He you know? felt like he wasn't going to make it before. But the thing is, it's weird because for a guy who's so confident and who comes from this like big baller brand, LeVar Ball, I've grown up in the spotlight my whole life uh, type of thing, type of background, he is not – he is very, very – his game is very, very dependent on his confidence level. And I think he loses his confidence more easily than one may think at, at you know, first inspection. So I, I, I have no doubts that Lonzo is going to be great. And I actually do think he's going to be a great offensive player. I don't think he's going to average more than like 15 points a game until he's probably 24 years old, just because he's not that type of player. But I feel like he's his percentages are going to go way up. I mean, for a guy who's taking six threes a game, I he'll probably finish above thirty percent from three, which is not bad considering you know precedent. Um, his field goal percentage is going to be bad. All that being said, the things that he needs to improve on are so obvious. It's not like Julius Randle when he was a rookie. Oh my God, how are we going to? can you teach a guy to raise his basketball IQ so that he doesn't charge into everybody every time and turn it over or take low percentage shots at the rim? Like those concerns, I think were a little bit more serious. These concerns are, can he learn a floater? Yes, he can learn a floater. One off season of practice with NBA coaches and people putting him on a plan to figure out what to do. He seems like he's a quick learner and I have no doubts that he'll be able to, to do that. We saw in the last game, 
he was showing off a little more mid-range. I think another thing is, like, for example, Brandon Ingram shot horribly from three last year, and he's shooting like 38% or something this year. And his form did not uh, dramatically change, but what they did was they fine-tuned some of the mechanics within that form. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Lonzo. I don't think they're going to be like, okay, your weird wind-up form is not going to work, because I think it it definitely will work for the type of player he's going to be. I think they just need to make sure, like, you know, I'm sure they will have a guy who studies all of Lonzo's shots and says, see how in this one you wind it up slightly different than in this one where you won't, you wind it up, you know, in a different way. And when you wind it up in this way, you shoot 55%. When you wind it up in this way, you shoot 30%. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they'll fine tune things like that for him. That will help a lot. And, um, I just, I have so little doubts about him. And I'm not even going to try to pull the, oh, well, he does so many other things card, which he does. But um, he is just a better offensive player, I think, even right now than uh, we're seeing. I think in the Detroit game, the way he was bouncing around the court, he just had like this swag. Like every time he was going up and down, like he only shot the ball eight times, but it felt like if he shot the ball, you know, 20 times, he would have made 16, you know, it's just that he's not that kind of player, um, at least right now. So I think that is more the type of player that we can expect in the future. Um, and so I, I really, despite the poor numbers and despite feeling like we have to defend him a little bit this year, I, I think that he's going to end up being a fine player offensively. Yeah, I agree. I think the last two games have really shown when Lonzo Ball is engaged. And, you know, defensively, he's been engaged a lot. But especially in the Detroit game, he was skying for rebounds again and doing that thing where he slaps the rebound really hard in his hands. And then all of a sudden, he zooms by guys like he's the Energizer Bunny or whatever. Um, I mean, that's the Lonzo, that's Lonzo Ball at his peak, you know. And um, that's when he's the most dynamic. I just felt like the New Orleans Pelicans game, I mean, it was like a like a shell of himself, like a ghost who was just settling for threes. And I was like, man, what the heck is this? This is garbage, you know? Um, but yeah, the last two games have been a pleasant surprise and hopefully Lonzo Ball just carries this through to the end of the season. Again, it's all, it's about all the small wins here. Um, I think I'm going to title this episode, all the small wins to care to win. <laughs> I'll take. I know. <laughs> Say it ain't so. I will not. Say it ain't Zoe, I will not oh, go. Hey. There you go. Uh, yeah, but even in spite of the losing, keeping everything into context, I think if we're looking individually at some of our guys, and we haven't even talked about Julius Randle, obviously, but there's so much positiveness to be gleaned from this season, and I think with seven of our games, last nine games being at home, and against the pretty some easy teams, I hope we can get at least three or four more wins to tack on to this season and with 36 wins but everything else considered I mean we've had a great year this has been one of the most fun Lakers seasons to watch we've seen our guys grow before our eyes and actually exceed our expectations in such a short time span hopefully it's going to lead up to a very lit summer 2018 and um, you know Julius Randle I can't say enough about this guy I said I tweeted it out but since the calendar year has turned there has been no other Laker who's been more infallible than Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle has been above reproach at this point. And the fact that he's showing us more stuff that we've never seen before, including off the dribble, 
uh, crossovers into spin moves. And then there was that one game. It was either the New Orleans game or the Memphis Grizzlies game where he got the block. He got the rebound and then he just raced it down the court and crossed over like two people into yeah. like a tomahawk dunk like he was LeBron James. And I was like, yeah, it was absurd. what is going on? Like Julius Randle right now resembles how he looked like when he was in high school, you know? Yeah. That's what we always want to see from our, that's why sometimes that's why I watch high school highlights. Cause I'm like, I just want to see if this guy ever reaches his peak, what he was like yeah. in high school when he was at his peak. And it's crazy, but Julius Randle's there and he can get better. Hey, he can get better. That's the scary thing. I think, you know, we have had a little bit of bad luck the last couple of years. I mean, not record wise, record wise, we were obviously terrible, but I mean, in terms of we've been in the lottery for four years in a row and we've been pretty high lottery and we've never quite gotten that number one pick and beyond not getting the number one pick. You can, you can argue that um, we uh, didn't get the best player in each draft, you know, just because not it's not necessarily the case that the number one pick is going to be the best player. So what I'm trying to say is despite our position, we also never got the best player. Um, so when you see guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Chris Dapps and like even the year Ben Simmons is having this year and, and uh, you know, whoever I, I'm sure there's others that I'm blanking on, but all these guys come in and just start dominating right from day one. Um, it is a little, it makes you feel a little bit bad sometimes when you're, if you're thinking of like a fan's perspective, like, okay, well, we've had Julius Randle. He was a high lottery pick before the season. People were saying he should be top three and like, really, this is what we got. And I think what it's easy to lose perspective, it's easy to lose perspective on the fact that these guys are all coming in at different places. Um, Julius Randle, after his first year, or even two years, you can argue was you know, maybe not even a top 10 player in his draft class. And like, given the strides that he's taken this year, he's, I would say probably the second or third, you know, maybe not the second, cause I guess Wiggins has been pretty good, but maybe the third, you know, definitely in the top yeah. three or four, um, in his draft class. And we took him at number seven and he is getting better. There's no indication that anything is slowing down here. Um, He's just a work in progress. And it's funny because it's like, I feel like Julius Randle's been on our team for 20 years and he's, <laughs> he's 22 years old, you know? So he has a long way to go and a lot of growing to do. And it's, it's uh we're seeing a big time glimpse of it right now. And I think there's a lot more to come in the future. Yep. Agree. So props to Julius Randle, Nelson Randella. I think he'd probably be number three over our, behind Jokic because Jokic was actually that draft even though he played the next year that's right but I think he's better than Wiggins actually he's better defensively that's for sure so yeah BTW better than Wiggins oh I like that BTW J Randall all right with that said that'll end it for our show thank you guys for listening I think we might be on hiatus next year just because I'll be traveling in Philly and New York and whatnot but definitely follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod to see my picks of future Laker LeBron James bam, 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 bam. and Mar Markel Fultz's ugly jump shot ayo uh, also please rate interview us on iTunes like I said and what else patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast Make it rain our way. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Tommy, looks like Alan's got some good girl things going on. <laughs> I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. Was there, uh, 
Was there a nerdier way to possibly say that? <laughs> there, there, there was not. I nailed it on the first nailed it on the first try. But um, we will end our show with this: getting a text from from Alan. <laughs> I'm looking at what the hell? Okay, sorry. Alan sent us this inappropriate that is an Cleveland amazing gift, Cavaliers gift. But uh, from Can we Alan. tweet that when LeBron signs with the uh, with the Lakers this summer. Absolutely, absolutely. So from Alan Riley to close us out. Just asked girl X out on a b-ball date for next week. Basketball is my favorite game. Now, see, I don't know whether he means he's going to, like, I don't know what a basketball date is. Are they going to watch a Lakers game or are they going to play basketball? What yeah, what is mean? that? I, I assume to go to a game, but that's kind of like, a, yeah, I don't know. So, Alan and good girl things going on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's really, that's really great. Good girl things. All right, uh, Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. All right, peace out, everybody. Girl things. Girl things. (laughs) All the girl Girl things. things. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.